Heading, Level 1. The Current State of Accessibility in Learning Podcast. While the topic of accessibility in learning has been getting more attention over the years, there is still a lot of room for improvement in how we consider, design and create accessible learning. In this podcast, we discuss accessibility from a user experience perspective, to broaden the scope of this topic beyond being a technical afterthought. Hi, I'm a screen reader and this Click is... Next to continue. Hi everyone, uh, welcome to another episode of Click Next to Continue. Um, today's topic is going to be looking at the current state of accessibility in learning. Uh, and I'm also very excited to have a guest on the podcast. I've got Dan with me. Um, Dan, say hello to the uh, to the listeners. Hello listeners, hello Raph. Um, so Dan, um, I'm very excited uh, to have you on the podcast because of, I guess, the industry you work in and your background. So uh, rather than me giving too much of a spill about who you are and what you sure. do, um, yeah. do you want to give a bit of an insight around, uh, yeah, what, what you're all about? Yeah, thanks, Raph. And thanks for the opportunity to uh, be on your podcast. Um, I know I've got some big shoes to fill with uh, my <laughs> friend Con, who was on the uh on previously. Um, so yeah, so my name is Dan Casey. I'm the Capability Development Manager at Vision Australia. Um, so we're the main provider of services to people who are blind or have low vision in Australia. So um, we're predominantly a service delivery uh, organisation. We've got about 800 staff across Australia, uh, Queensland, New South Wales, Vic, uh, Western Australia and um, South Australia predominantly. And mm -hmm. my role is looking after learning and development and capability um, for our staff. And mm -hmm. we also have about 15% of our workforce uh, are blind or have low vision. So obviously yeah. accessibility is a real key driver for us in the world of learning and professional development. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wonderful. And, and, and again, you know, that, that's why I'm so excited to have you on because you, you've got such a strong background in the area and you work with um, this topic day to day. So it'll be really fantastic yeah. to get your insights. And, it's, and it is interesting because I guess my background generally is in has been in learning and development in sort of corporate and not-for-profits for some time. Mm -hmm. um, and I started out life many years ago working in uh, adolescent health education. So I've always been really interested in, um, in learning and development and, and the role that it plays uh, for individuals within organisations, but also the organisation itself. And I think working mm -hmm. at Vision Australia for the last four years has really, as I know it's probably a bad pun, it's really opened my eyes to how yep. badly accessibility is generally done. So really keen to chat with you. <laughs> and and I guess, so the, the, one of the things I, I'd really be interested in uh, to, to have your perspective on is, I guess, when you hear accessibility or, or when you talk about accessibility, in your own words, what is, I guess, the topic we're discussing? Well, for me, I, I take quite a uh, <clears throat> expansive um, view on it. And when I think of accessibility in a learning sense, I, I think of it as the ability for all learners to actually ex fully experience that learning in the way it was intended and designed. Mm -hmm. um, so I take this quite broad stroke view on accessibility that, yeah, there's a technical component of it, but there's also a really design component around the content, around the way things are structured. And you want people to have a fully immersed experience of the learning for the way it was intended. 
So mm-hmm. that's kind of what I think about accessibility. And I know that sometimes challenges, you know, you, um, maybe a developer's view of uh, accessibility, which would tend to be, mm-hmm. well, as long as it's WCAG compliant, it's blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. I tend to argue more around that sort of user experience. And I think this is where, um, I guess, our our method and our thinking around this is very much on point. And and, and the wording that you've used there, I, I want to highlight is, you know, that the experience um, yep. of the end user who does have uh, accessible needs versus, I guess, very often there's a focus of access. So, hey, so long as we yep. give access to, we're fine versus, well, what's the experience after that access has actually occurred? And I think, you know, that... That is that that nice blend of the the technical and then actually the the human side of things and and the outcome side of things. So um, yeah, I, I, I very much like your definition and, uh, and very much and, on the same page. And as you know, you know, I like analogies. I've probably told you this analogy lots of times. I, I sort of liken it to uh, vegetarian options in restaurants. You know, which is mm-hmm. you go to some restaurants. And you ask, oh, do you do a vegetarian um, version? They go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And all they do is they just wash the meal, take the meat out, and then present the same dish. (laughs) You know, you see accessibility like that. Oh, yeah, we can make it accessible. We'll just run an accessibility checker and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then if we think of vegetarian food, if you're making vegetarian food from scratch, there are some awesome meals and, oh, yes. you know, that's the point I try and argue, which is, you know, you need to be thinking about accessibility in the initial design stages. And that mm. goes for face-to-face delivery as well. I mean, that's the other issue we have, particularly with people who are blind or have low vision, is that their face-to-face experience of a learning um, activity can be really, really um, different to someone who's, you know, ha- has vision. Mm. Um, and yes. that's been that's been the um, <clears throat> the tough journey for me when I started at Vision Australia because I'd also been involved in a lot of facilitation, and mm. I was an addict. You know, I loved post-it notes, I loved flip charts, <laughs> post-it notes. I was probably on about a five packet a day habit when I was running <laughs> workshops. You know, I was right into the visuals. You know, I was even tempted with that visual recording and doing bad diagrams and, you know, sniffing the pens. And, you know, I had it all, (laughs) you know. And then you turn, I start running stuff at Vision Australia and you realize, oh, I really need to think about the way I design even face to face training. Yeah. So, you know, and I think that was a real um, insight for me about this notion of you need to go back to the very sort of fundamental design principles about inclusion and accessibility for learning, not just yeah. e-learning or blended learning. That, and that, that's such a, a really important thing to consider is, is very often accessibility is viewed from that technical lens, um, focusing on WCAG, and then you go, okay, well, yep. what about this webinar or what about this face-to-face session? And, you know, people start flicking through WCAG. It's like well, there's the font size has to be scalable by 200%. It's like, well, yeah. that's irrelevant to this, but you still do need to make those. Extra- and it's sometimes actually more challenging um, because those environments are usually quite, you know, more, I guess I'll say relaxed and off the cuff and, and people don't catch themselves um, yep. very often. You know, for I'm guilty of this probably, is, you know, being in a session and, and having a, a diagram or, or something on those lines and going, hey, so here's the diagram. And as you can see, da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> yeah. And for someone who has a vision impairment, perhaps um, 
they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like you need to actually yeah. go to the detail of being able to explain it. So everyone's on that same journey. Um, and then from there, you know, even being considered around, I guess, um, you know, impairments around someone like for me, even if someone's an introvert, like really introverted, being yeah. considerate of that and, and how do they participate in a room perhaps that, you know, they're very uncomfortable in that environment well, and, and they miss out. It's a really good point, you know, and, and, and I think that notion of accessibility, you sometimes, it can be difficult to know where to, where to stop, but, you know, mm. people for whom an education experience has been traumatic or really negative, and then all of a sudden they're back in a learning environment that sort of reminds them of they were never good at school or, or whatever, you know, that can be an accessibility yeah. issue as well. And, 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 and you're right. It's that sort of broad scope. It's kind of like um, universal design in terms of the built environment, mm-hmm. you, you know, um, where you have this struggle at, with, with, with people around form and function. Um, and I liken it to when I've dealt with um, instructional designers who, you know, they want to maximise the functionality of whatever authoring tool. Look at this fantastic transition it can do. Oh, my God, yep. that's amazing. And if you put this up here and up here and we have like a Netflix you know, front page, well, that's mm-hmm. great. But in terms of functionality for someone who might be using a screen reader or someone who's using Zoom text, it's kind of mission impossible. And yeah. what happens is those users then have to spend so much time understanding and navigating that you know the whole learning experience is completely infiltrated and undermined by them having to navigate through and understand where stuff is Um, and so you know i know this kills instructional designers but we'll often have our screen reader staff say to us listen just give us the word document yeah you know and and if you're an instructional designer you're like what yeah we just want the word document and, and I think mm. there's a real message in that in terms of making sure that your learning is designed in a way that not only is it technically accessible, but it's also, you know, cognitively accessible uh, for people as well. And, and you know, to that point, I've been in organisations where um, to that point of having the Word document, there was almost a, a view of accessibility of, oh, yeah, we'll just we'll just give a transcript or a, or a PDF version yep. and that kind of takes care of it. Yep. People people who get to that point of going, just, just give me the Word document, they're not happy with the Word document. Oh, no. They're just trying to alleviate the pain that they know they're going to yep. experience. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things that it, just because they kind of say, hey, yeah, I, I, I just prefer the Word document, doesn't mean they prefer it because like that is actually their preference it's basically that or or like an eternity of pain trying to navigate something and, and kind of you know oh, why bother yeah yeah and i think that's a that's a really good point because you know their previous experiences perhaps haven't been haven't been great um mm. and so that's that's their option you know just give me the eggplant option i'll just deal with that so hmm. and the other thing i guess to, to sort of you, you've touched on there is is i guess you know where people's impairments are and I guess um, a conversation we were having the other day was you were sharing a story about someone who had a vision impairment and they used a screen magnifier Um, and and they were finding challenges using um, a particular tool due to that and one of the things that I feel happens is that's sort of lost when when we talk about accessibility we very much focus on the extremes and we focus on very 
permanent. So it's kind of like, hey, we're addressing we're addressing people with vision impairments because we've got capability of screen reader. It's like, well, yep. what about people who don't use screen readers? What about someone who does use a screen magnifier? And and I think you know it becomes very binary and again checklisty um, rather it becomes, than experiential. Yeah. And and you know that whole thing of people will rely on the the screen reader to deal with the accessibility issues, for example, even though, you know, it's taking 48 clicks to get from this part of the learning to the next part. And the the screen magnifier and the Zoom text stuff is really interesting because you're quite right. There has been, okay, we'll just do the screen reader stuff. That's, you know, we can, we can sort that. Um, and again, we would, you know, the, the organization I was referring to, major provider of online content. And mm-hmm. really good, really pretty good with screen reader, um, but their experience around Zoom text was, and the feedback we had for them, they were really good because they, they they took it on board and they were really keen to address it. But by their own admission, most of their bias had been towards screen readers because, yeah. again, interestingly, the people in their accessibility team who had um, who were blind or had low vision all used screen readers. Mm. So the experience for the, um, the the Zoom text person and the screen magnifier person was quite wasn't great, um, yep. and and I think there's another piece you know around the accessibility, and that's the willingness to work in collaboration and partnership with um, designers and also user groups, and you know as you know Raph, that's what we'll always do at Vision Australia is we we will work with designers and developers really closely to get a really good experience. Well, ideally to get a really good experience for our, our, our blindness and low vision staff. Um, mm-hmm. Just so that, you know, we're, we may, we need to make sure our own backyard is pretty good before we <laughs> before we start, you know, suggesting to others what they could, could be doing. And look, and to be honest, you know, we don't always get it right either. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the things we try and do is a lot of user testing and we try and do what I call the punter testing. So okay. I've noticed there's quite a difference. If I'm if, if I give a piece of work of learning to a very experienced JAWS user, for example, the way that they might navigate through is often kind of textbooky. Um, they're mm-hmm. very good at at, at at you know navigating, um, manipulating the program, you know, through whatever piece of learning, but. It, if you then get someone who's what I call the punter user, you know, they can kind of use JAWS, that's more the real experience. And 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 it's not uncommon to see a bit of difference there. So again, mm. when it comes to some of that testing, you know, and we've got a situation at work at the moment where it's been tested by one of our high-end JAWS users. And, you know, uh, we're saying, that's great. That looks great. Let's let's give it to a few more punter type users just to see, you know, that it, it actually works quite well. Hmm. And, and maybe just to, to now take the conversation up a little bit, we've sort of been yep. touching on this, but in terms of accessible design and learning, what do you think the current state is? I guess you've got a, a really neat insight to, to both, I guess, within yeah, your organization and, and externally. Yeah. Re- really fractured, really fractured is what I'd say. Um, and I think it's about, um, you know, action learning. That's that. That's that's the approach I take to it, which is you kind of having to learn about it as you go. Um, mm-hmm. And I know um, we worked with a, an organisation a little while, a couple of years ago now, to pull together some learning for us, and they did a really good job. And um, the reason they did a really good job 
uh, was because they took the time to listen and get a contextual view of our users and what was required. And it was really good because the actual design of the learning was really solid in good instructional design foundation. Mm -hmm. And then the actual um, technical design uh, in terms of using, it was an e-learning piece, was really good. Okay, so that took a, a, a fair bit of time and, of course, money to do that. But that's the thing. You need to invest in that pre-work to get it happening. The challenge mm -hmm. I see with a lot of learning design is it's kind of quite reactive. We need to get something, blah, 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 so let's get it up and running. So that's why mm. I think it's quite, it's quite fractured. There's, you know, some good examples out there. And the good examples have often taken a degree of um, time in development and also nuanced work. But then there's some really not great stuff. And, you know, we've again, we've got an experience of that at the moment around a, a piece of e-learning that we're requiring our, our staff to do as part of, you know, the COVID-19 situation. And it's been put together mm -hmm. by a, an external organisation. And, you know, we've had to say to our blind and low vision staff, yes, we, you know, I think I used the words, yes, we know the accessibility is crap. So, yeah, we know right. that, you know, and, and that's what I've learned with our you know, let's not let's not say it's it's okay or it's whatever. It, it is crap, you know. Yeah. And my then concern working in a people and culture team is, you know, I don't want our staff having to. You know, this is a thirty-minute module. You know, it's taken some of our staff who have given it a go, who are blind or have low vision, you know, an hour and a half. Yeah. And then they're they're not happy about it. <laughs> you know, you just think, okay, right. So, you know, you've then got to come up with these alternatives by saying, okay. I'm now hassling the organisation that designed and developed this. They're slowly getting it together. But the problem was they had to pull that piece of learning together really quickly. And good yep. accessibility design goes out the window because it is a little more involved. You know, it is a little mm -hmm. more involved than just putting together some slides, you know, running it through Articulate or whatever. It takes a little bit more nuance than that. So... The world of accessible um, learning is is fractured. You know, there's some fantastic examples uh, going on, but then there's also some, you know, quite poor examples as well. Okay. Well, well maybe thinking of, of some of the successes and, and the positive examples, do you have any uh, stories or examples you can share and talk us through where... Yeah. We've just seen something going, wow, like this is this is great. And and I guess you've been doing that, but also I guess that the, the users or the learners um, or the people consuming this content have actually come back and given feedback and gone, you know, this was, this was great. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that series that we did with uh, the external uh, provider that I was designed people that I was talking about, you know, we ended up winning some awards for it. Um, oh, wonderful. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, am I allowed to mention their name on this? You know, I think. I'm yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. So it was learning hook. And I think um, it was a few years ago now and they did a great job, but, you know, I guess what was good about that was the content was right. The content was well written. We worked with them on the content. They did a lot of the design, which involved designing and testing and coming back to us. Um, the user experience was great because, you know, we covered off the Zoom text and magnifier issues. We covered off the um, the screen reader issues. And the actual experience for the learner was was quite fluid. And I, and I think that's the really important thing because... Mm. 
Another great example was the other day, we've got a new learning management system. So we're using um, Brightspace. And one of the reasons we went with mm -hmm. that is because of its accessibility. But it was interesting the other day, we were running an information session for managers about how they can use that. And, you know, a JAWS user, screen reader user, he got on late to the to the Zoom meeting. So at the end, I just said, hey, do you want us to give you 10 minutes? We can run you through it. And it was fantastic for me and, and my team member who looks after the LMS just to listen to the to the screen reader mm. as it, it as it navigated through and i'm laughing to myself thinking and this is a good lms right and and you just think the amount of attention that you know sometimes uh jaws users have to pay, have to pay to listen mm. to where they are when as a sighted user you just go and oh it's there yeah and i think that becomes really important that i think people need to understand you know that even the screen reader experience, even when it's really good, it's it's a it's a it's a different experience for people because it's sort of auditory processing rather than visual processing. And yes, um, good JAWS users can do that quite quickly, but I think that's a really useful experience for any instructional designer out there. Is you know, I don't. You can probably buy JAWS from us. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'll give you our number one eight hundred whatever, but you know, experience yeah, experience the learning as a JAWS user, you know, and have that you know voice going, you know, as it as it highlights things for you. I think I think that will is really important for for designers to get that experience to go yeah. oh wow okay so I've designed it and it looks fantastic and, and you know you can navigate. What's it like for the JAWS user? So we had we had that experience. We also had another series of um, e learning that we did. Uh, that I helped look after. And it was interesting. We used a different design company, pretty reputable, pretty good, you know, good instructional designers. They understood us. Mm -hmm. But then when it came to their developers, it was really mm -hmm. interesting. You know, they, they were convinced it was accessible, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, we kind of gave them a few pointers and got them in and gave them feedback. And, and I got to tell you, Raph, they were great. They did a little bit of mea culpa, you know, like, sorry, sorry, sorry. They ended up changing the authoring tool they used because they were so convinced and so down the path of the the, um, the checklist WCAG. Yep, 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 yep. But some of our users gave them feedback around, well, you need to understand, for me to go from there to there, this is what I have to do. And they're like, oh, oh yeah. okay. So again, you know, a, a good experience around designing and that as, as you're going in that sort of action learning, you know, making sure it's actually okay for people. So they're, they're, mm. they're, they're probably two of the things. I mean, the other thing I've started to notice, um, there's a lot more, um, one of the challenges we have is there's a lot more HTML type um, uh, products. You know, they're fantastic, yes. quick and yep. dirty. You know, they're great. You don't have to worry about the world of SCORM. But when they're video-based, that can be, again, um, a bit different for the uh, a blind or low vision user. You know, so you want to make sure there's good audio um description going on uh, yep. all of those things can be really useful um and i've just noticed now you know with my tv at home here that there's a lot more audio description happening in in those things so again the, what we say to designers is don't feel like you can't use anything visual or video right don't think that hmm. just think about how it blends into the learning and then how do you modify that for uh, accessible use. So, you know, do you provide yep. a transcript? Do you provide audio description? You know, all of those things I think become useful 
for people. Because the last thing I'd say on this, Raf, is you, you don't want people becoming gun shy as as designers, but you need them to be clear about what the alternatives and modifications and options are. I think on the back of that, one of the things I, I sort of want to call out is, is that mention you made of you know designers to actually, you know use some of these tools and get a little bit of understanding. Um, And this isn't a case of, you know, installing a screen reader and then having a go of it and then assuming that you've kind of understand because to walk in the shoes of someone who does need a screen reader, you can't, you you really can't. You can develop a bit of empathy to understand what the experience is like. Um, But it is great to hear that, you know, to the point of developers, you mentioned that they actually you know, took the time to sit down with users and understand their experience because, you know, something can be technically accessible. And then if you, I know for me, uh, when I, when I kind of, you know, got to use screen readers for the first time, one, that was quite confronting um, because all of us like it's abrupt. Um, But then uh, as part of that, I I actually watched someone who used a screen reader navigate a piece of uh, e-learning and the things that were really just incredible one, the speed of the screen yep. reader they have it set at. Yeah. I couldn't make out a single word. Yeah, um, no, it's, it's tough. <laughs> and, and they were flying through it. But two, the ways I thought that they were going to go through it changed yep. because they yep. were, you know, some really people important. jump between headings, some people kind of just go in linear. And and it and I think that's something else that you're not you're not designing that linear path, I guess, to the point of, you know, if someone is sighted, you arrive at a page, you make the decision, I'm going to have a look at the image first and the text and this. So you're kind of jumping around and that's preference-based. Some people jump straight into the text. Some people have a bit of explore. Some people will play with the activity first and do other stuff. That goes the same for accessible users. They will have their own individual preferences. So it's not a case of assuming that the path you design, that's it. Because someone may be, you know, their natural default is to do something else and you have to i guess consider that it can't all just be based on what you want them to do Um, they will do their own thing and and that's where the design component becomes really important in terms of how you set up the headings and you know understanding a little bit about how jaws goes through and reads things or screen readers go through and read Mm -hmm. things so Mm -hmm. you're quite right you can then make it really easy for the user who just wants the i just want to get to the quick you know if it's a pretty a piece of what I call clicky, clicky, blah, blah, e-learning, where yep. I just want to get to the bit where they ask me the questions, for example, I, I can do that. Or if I want a little more detail, I can find that really, really easily. And and mm. I think that's the, that, that's the point. It's it's the ease of, like any, any learning, any sort of e-learning or digital learning, it's the ease of navigation. You know, mm-hmm. how how can I get to the piece of information that I want? Now, now, that's really different if it's like, no, we actually need you to work your way. We're going to control how you go through that. Oh, that's fine, you know, sometimes that's needed. But if it's more, okay, it's a bit more of a, you know, um, divergent sort of piece of learning where you can grab grab whatever you want, well, again, from a screen reader perspective, you've got to make that really easy for people to be able to find that. Um, mm. And I think that's a really good point, Raf, is that, you know, just as the way that you might go through a piece of e-learning could be quite different to me, um, but, you know, good design will allow different styles of getting the information. Yeah, it's, 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 I think it's, you know, it's, again, that, that UX design because that, that yeah. UX oh. aspect, it's considered around how to make things intuitive and how to, how to show people a path but not force them yeah. down a path and all yeah. that sort of UX aspect. It's, that's, for me, why, you know, accessible design is very much a UX, I guess, skill oh, set t- and a design skill set. 
um, yeah. rather than I guess this segregated kind of off the site. Hey, you know, someone's really good at good at uh, accessible design because. I mean, for me, I kind of, you know, say that, hey, 80% of accessibility is just good UX design. Um, and then there's a 20%, which usually is just that technical component. But yeah. largely, it, it's just good UX, good good instructional oh, design. It, and yeah. You're, you're right. And, you know, that's probably where we first met was around that sort of UX experience where we're, we're mm. kind of lucky as an organization where we've got a strong UX sort of culture and um, co-design and, you know, a bit of design thinking. So, which is really interesting mm -hmm. for, a, you know, in some ways it's it should be what human-centred organisations are about. But it's funny that a lot of these sort of methodologies have been developed by designers and developers. But it, it plays a huge role in the way we try and go about things be it you know thinking about our service delivery be it even remodeling the client journey all of these things we, we we try and put that at as a significant part if not the center of what we do so it, it then spills over nicely into learning design because what we're trying to do is provide that ux being really positive and you know this is the argument i have with you know designers and stuff is you know there is a big difference between use, usability and accessibility. And, mm -hmm. and I've, I've experienced that time and time again. You know, the classic, oh, well, you know, Dan, with the LMS, you will get all this fantastic, you know, content, curated content, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's great. Is it accessible? Uh, maybe. <laughs> and, and you just think, oh, okay, right. And, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in a job where you often get contacted and cold called by people trying to flog your stuff, which is fine. People yep. got to make a living. But I just wish that, you know, I've been trying to say to those people, listen, what you need to understand is, you know, I can't be interested in that stuff unless I know it's accessible. Yeah, yeah. And you, know, and so you think you in those situations, if, yeah, if someone was, you know, directly reaching out to you, that, that they, they think, you think their pitch would be nested around, you know, some assumptions they can probably make around, hey, there's Vision Australia. accessibility <laughs> questions. Yeah, right. And you think they yeah. kind of consider that a little bit and, and you know, um, just, yeah, I mean, that, that seems to make sense. Um, yep. In terms of, I guess, so uh, the other thing is, is when you are talking, and this is maybe with both internal staff and the clients you work with, mm -hmm. and again, this is probably something we've been touching on throughout, but when they do give feedback around, uh, you know, their negative experiences. And this is a loaded question. How much of that is, you know, them going, oh, well, you know, um, guideline 1.2.11 in WCAG 2.0 says versus I just want to have a positive yeah. experience or here's like, what's the balance there realistically? Well, the balance is 100 to 1 of I just want a, I just want a positive experience, you know, yeah, exactly. like, you know, and it's like I was saying to you beforehand, you know, just before earlier today, I, we had a team meeting and, you know, some concern was expressed about a, a staff member who had had a really negative experience with this, an external product. And, you know, they just felt, why, why am I the person with the, you know, who is blind or have low vision? Why am I the one that has to, you know, cope with this? And you mm. think, good point good point yeah so it is about you know crappy experience it's not about you know yeah article 4.2 blah 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 but you know you can you you, you can um prosecute a, a wider argument around you know accessibility mm. is almost like a human rights type issue i know it might be sort yep. of 
people probably think, oh my God, I just thought we were talking about e-learning. Now we're talking about human rights. But, you know, we have a strong advocacy component, I think, at Vision Australia around harassing and haranguing and advocating around better accessibility generally for people who have sure. low vision. You know, just being able to walk through, you know, Fed Square is a great example of it's, you know, fantastic looking, but there's a few accessibility issues there. Just like this is, you know, this is a great um, learning package, but there's accessibility issues there. And mm-hmm. I guess my message is don't let the accessibility get in the way of good learning content and design. That There is a marriage you can make between those. And I think yep. that's the issue is people think of them separately. So like the vegetarian mm. analogy, we've done the fantastic meal. God, now they want us to take the meat out. Well, think about that before you start. You know, so think yep. about, okay, who's the audience? What are going to be the accessibility issues? What are going to be some of the devices? I mean, great great examples of accessibility now, which is fantastic, all the, you know, the use of Auslan interpreters for all those media conferences. Yes, yes. Like, yep. you know, that's a really good example of people going, you know what? That makes sense. And it's not impacting negatively on the on the press conference, you know, or anything like that. It's just adding another way that people can experience what they're trying to disseminate. And and I think that's the key thing when I was started today talking, which is about for me, accessibility is about all learners can experience the learning mm. in the way for which it was designed and the outcomes yeah. for what it's trying to achieve. And just on that that point around, you know, you see all the press conferences and, and you do see the interpreters communicating that. And this is just something that I've kind of always been using. A bit. Well, not always. In the last few years, I won't say always, but you, you, yeah, you, you go to um, you go to school and, and very often one of the things you have to learn is language. Why isn't one of the options sign language? Because yeah. you think about it like, you know, these languages are, oh, if I go to Germany, it'd be great to know German. Or if I go somewhere else, it'd be great to know Japanese, Chinese, whatever it happens to be. Like in in the, in the country I'm currently in, there's another language being used yeah. and, and potentially multiple. Like why not why not kind of build that in? And I think that kind of, you know, just having that would, would greatly influence a change of perceptions around kind of accessibility and all that side of things so but that's just amusing i've always had and and i've got you know two little daughters and and um the wiggles started it because they actually uh have a sign language and and going on which is really nice but i'm like hell the language i want them to learn is sign language because i think that would just be really powerful and and it also means that they're able to have more friends yeah yeah no it's a good point hey um uh, I guess in terms of, so, so we've been talking about a few things and I think we should have by now motivated people to kind of be a little bit more comfortable with accessibility because I think some people are very much scared of it. And I think through this, we've kind of expanded and let, let's say we've got, you know, people going, all right, yes, I'm, I'm on board. I want to start considering it more. Where should people start? I mean, obviously they've started, they've started listening to this magnificent podcast, but magnificent what's podcast, their next step? Yep. <laughs> Okay, so the, the next step is probably a couple of things. It's probably to look at some of the tools that are, that are readily available. And, and look, you know, um, we also do a lot of work around assistive technology. And one of the good things around technology is a lot of the accessibility functions are pretty standard with, with the basic equipment. So iPhones, for example, are a, you know are a really good example of accessibility. Siri, for example, is a great accessibility option. Um, mm-hmm. All of those spoken things. So you know the other thing that's out there is you know Microsoft Word and the Microsoft p- products have pretty good accessibility tools. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's an accessibility option on your um, 
on Microsoft Word, for example. And and what mm-hmm. I'd suggest to people is start using some of those tools and running an accessibility checker, even over a simple document, and you will be amazed at what comes up for that. So you can look at it from that perspective. We also um, at Vision Australia run some digital access training. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, I mean, I know this is sort of a self-gratuitous plug, um, but, you know, that's that's an, you know, we work, that that team is fantastic. Um, So Neil King uh, heads up that team at the moment, and they're fantastic at working with other organisations around, for example, their website accessibility, but also how to make accessible documents and how to make things much more accessible. So that's often Mm -hmm. a good a good place um, to start. I mean, uh, I, I guess the other thing is just trying to think more broadly around when you're designing things, think about different users. You know, we always yes. get told in L&D school, you know, think about, well, I mean, it's always it's always been an area of dubious research, you know, learning styles. But we, you know, I was always yeah. encouraged to think of, okay, well, you need to mix up stuff. So if you're running something face-to-face, you just can't do chalk and talk the whole time. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a big advocate in the 80-20-90 rule. You know, you need to engage everybody every eight minutes. Every 20 minutes, you should be doing a different activity. And mm-hmm. 90 minutes is kind of like a topic length. You know, yep. s- similar with, um, say, e-learning. Think about, okay, how am I going to engage people in this piece of e-learning? How am I going to engage someone who's using a, a, a screen reader? How am I going to mm-hmm. engage someone who's using Zoom decks? And, and and often the best way to engage, I think, those users, from my experience, and I'm happy for people to, you know, who've got more experience to tell me, you know, to scoff at me is, you know, strip more, strip stuff out, have less distractions about having to navigate. That's how you're going to engage people more and obviously make mm-hmm. the learning super relevant. Um, so they're probably some of the, the, the things to do uh, initially. The other thing is, you know, find out a bit more about screen readers, you know, find out what that's yeah. actually like. You know, I'm sure you can probably download something about someone using a screen reader because your point that always amazes me, and maybe I'm just a slow learner, um, <laughs> is that when you hear the speed, the auditory processing that goes on for a screen reader is really insightful. And as I said, my mm-hmm. experience the other day, watching one of our managers having to navigate through stuff, you get a really good idea of, oh, okay, right, I, now I know what's happening. You know, I can, I can then start mm. thinking about how, you know, I need to design stuff with lots of headings because it's the headings that the screen reader will jump to will jump between the yep. headings, you know. And it's just those sorts of things that, that can help. But there's some but there's some sort of starting points uh, for mm-hmm. people to um to to get their he- head around. Yeah. And to that point, um, on on the Vision Australia website, there's there's a whole area where you can download yep. various tools. Um, so we, we've spoken a lot about Jaws. So Jaws is, I guess, um, I think like the, the leading uh, screen reading yep. tool out there. Um, but there is also free equivalent. So if you are a designer and, and you want to start to experience this, and you, you can't fork out on on Jaws just yet, um, NVDA is a free tool that you can download from yep. uh, the Vision Australia site, and, and pretty much the experience is extremely close so at least you know what's going on and on top of that uh, i've seen you guys have like uh, to the to the word comment you've got a, a toolbar that plugs into toolbar. word and yeah. helps you greatly um there's also contrast checkers and all that sort of thing so there's actually yep. quite a multitude of tools um in one spot for people to kind of go in and access and start getting across and, this stuff and contrast is a really good one too raf for low vision users so we talk about um bigger bolder brighter 
as mm-hmm. some fundamentals around. I mean, that's more around daily living for people who are blind or have low vision. But certainly that that's a useful sort of uh, the three Bs are a useful thing for designers of documents to understand mm-hmm. that. Yeah, contrast is a is a really important thing. And you, you will notice how corporate colours are blue and yellow, and you know yellow on blue is a really good contrast. Um, yes. I try to sort of, despite my obvious uh, Anglo background and name, Dan Casey, I sort of vicariously enjoy sort of a culturally diverse sort of uh, entertainment experience. So I like, I watch a lot of SBS, in other words. Um, mm-hmm. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I, I, I sort of, ugh, again, roll my eyes when the um, subtitles, maybe I should learn more languages, but the subtitles are in white because that, that doesn't stand out. But when you see subtitles yeah. in yellow, you're like, oh, that's a difference. But, yeah, I mean, mm. we purposely use yellow and blue because they contrast really well together. So so contrast is a really important thing um, to consider for uh, low vision users and obviously font size and things. But yeah. if people are using magnifiers, that helps. Um, one of the challenges, though, for people who might use Zoom text or magnifiers is that it can take a while to navigate around a screen because mm-hmm. you may, you're blowing it right up. So, again, that happens with a lot of curated um, or, or, or pre-done e-learning packages where there's, you know, there's lots on the screen. For mm-hmm. someone who's using Zoom text or a magnifier, it's like, okay, so where, where do I start? Um, yeah. and so sometimes those things need to be um, need to be considered as well. Mm. And even to, to that point, um, you know, consistency of layout. So once someone who is a, using a screen magnifier has, I guess, learnt the layout. Yep making sure that next time they progress somewhere else, the layout's reflective. So they're not constantly relearning, like left aligned, right aligned. I, I used to yep. uh, see, you know, um, designers who are like advocating for, oh, you know, on this page, it'll be left aligned and image on the left and text on the right. And then it changes and that changes. And it's, oh, it's just visually interesting. Like it just seems like a pain in the butt really. Cause one for yeah, me, even and- each time I'm focusing somewhere else, but if someone is using a screen magnifier, that'd, that'd be very frustrating. Oh, definitely. And, you know, it just sort of grates against my little Virgo, uh, everything needs to be <laughs> symmetrical <laughs> nature. Yeah, yeah. And and, and yeah. look, you know, I know previously you and I have joked about, you know, sometimes, you know, designers are like, oh, but I think it, it, you've got to get back to the, the core question, which is you can have bells and whistles and things can look awesome and stuff, but ultimately – it's about what's the intention of the training? What's the outcome? What are you trying to do? Yep. You know, if you're trying to engage learners, you've got to think about engaging all learners. If you're trying to, you know, get people to f- the right information, you've got to present it in a way where they can easily access and, and, and get to it as well. Definitely. Hey, uh, Dan, it, I think we've covered a lot of ground and, and it's yep. been a, a real pleasure uh, speaking to you. If you had, I guess, a closing thought or, or a closing action that you'd want people to sort of take away from this, if if they've ignored the whole thing and there's just one thing to take away, what, what would it be? I think I think for me, the the thing is to be considerate in, in design and um, design for uh, a, a diverse audience in terms of the way that they learn. I'll go back to, you know, not so much learning styles, but the way that people access information and access mm-hmm. learning is really, really important. Um, the other thing I'd say is, yeah, don't go gun shy. You know, don't don't think, oh, now I can't do anything. One of the things I've learned about um, working with colleagues who are blind or have low vision is there's one really important thing I can do. I can ask. 
you know, yeah. so I can say, hey, you know, look, uh, what do you reckon about this? And I and I think that's that's the other thing is engage with um, users who might use a screen reader or who might use, you know, another tool because ultimately it's about understanding what we call someone's lived experience. So what's the lived experience mm-hmm. of someone who's blind or has low vision in terms of learning? Understand that a bit more, and I think you can then incorporate that um, in, into your design. And look, and the other thing I'd say is if people want to have a chat to me to find out more about some of that stuff, you know, they can they can certainly reach out to me at um, Vision Australia. Happy, as you know, Rap, to, to talk about mm-hmm. this. Yeah, no, absolutely, Dan. It's It's been... It's been just from the first time we spoke, and you've been, you know, mm. so so insightful and happy to talk. And uh, as always, to to our listeners, uh, if you do have any questions, comments, feedback, um, please do uh, reach out to us uh, via social channels or whatever it happens to be. Um, obviously, there'll be a, a link to Dan's profile uh, in the description for this. Um, Dan, again, it, it it has been so much fun talking to you about yeah. this and I really appreciate your time. So hopefully you've had fun. Yes. And you know me, Raph, I wouldn't be doing it if I, if I wasn't having fun. And I just want to thank you for the great advocacy work you do around um, uh, accessibility. So really appreciate you pushing that barrow as well. Thank you, Dan. Uh, take care and have a great uh, rest of the day. Thank you. See you, everybody. Next to continue.